0: morning, Glory America. This is Hugh Hewitt broadcasting this morning from the Boyle Studios inside the Kirby Center of Hillsdale College in the shadow of the Capitol, in the heart of Washington, D.C. In the studio provided by Vince Benedetto, the Bull Gold Media Group, and the Bull Gold Broadcast and Media Foundation, talking with none other than Dr. Larry Arnn, the president of Hillsdale College, which oversees this August uh, Kirby Center and this wonderful studio. Dr. Larry Arnn, good morning. Happy commencement to you.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. We had a great day. And, you know, I was distracted by that. I expected you to keep the country in order while I was away.
0: And then, unfortunately, I was giving a commencement address as well at Colorado <laughs> Christian University. And everything, you know, we both leave town. Everything went to hell for a week. But we're getting back that I want to come back to that. But first, I must inform you, i got to tell the audience, we're doing a special thing this week, a Hillsdale Dialogue today, which is not about the Declaration of Independence but about current events, and a Hillsdale Dialogue tomorrow, which gets us back on to the Declaration because it's important that we proceed with that. So we're doing a back to back with Dr. Larry Arn, two Dr. Larry Arn, two Hillsdale dialogues. This week always devoted, this hour always devoted to Dr. Arn or one of his colleagues from Hillsdale College on a matter of great and lasting import and this week was but I have to clue you in on a little joke of the morning. Representative Mike Gallagher joined me earlier, Princeton man, Georgetown Ph.D., Marine, combat Marine. Good and guy, now, nonetheless. Nonetheless, a mm-hmm. wonderful guy, and, and he, he was careful to alert me that he had won the congressional foot race yesterday. Every year they have a 5K, and the fastest member of Congress gloats a little bit, and that the Marine had beaten the Army Ranger Tom Cotton, known to you as Senator Cotton, and my audience is Senator Cotton, is me as Senator Cotton. But, of course, I immediately texted that to the senator that I, I understood he had been defeated. And I threw in, I made the litigator's mistake. I, I poked the bear not knowing the right answer. I, it had not occurred to me that he'd ever run the Marine Corps Marathon. So I pointed out, geez, Gallagher beat you. He told me all about it. Neither of you has run a three. It's tough getting old. I told him. Uh, neither of you has run a three thirteen USMC marathon, though. Right? That's my personal record in the USMC marathon. And he wrote back, "Correct. Only a two fifty eight USMC marathon. Eat it, smarty pants." Yeah. So
1: Senator Cotton, I can't believe you'd be counting coup over that guy. Senator, <laughs> Senator Cotton turned forty lately, and there was a birthday party for him, and I happened to have been there. And one of the things he said... Is he that old? I didn't know he was that old. That's just good. He turned 40. And, uh, and one of his old friends from law school read out some letters that Tom Cotton had sent him when he was in basic training. And the letters were hilarious. But one of, but one of them ended, I always win all the running.
0: LAUGHTER <laughs> This is, you know, I got to I got to put some markers on the board for that he can shoot for when he's sixty. Because uh, you're right, don't count coup on Tom Cotton. That's not a good <laughs> idea. All right, let's get let's get down to work. Uh, as you note, uh, who was your commencement speaker this year? You keep trying to top yourself. You got to give up at some point. Well, this year, this year we had a poet, and
1: uh, he was really good. His name is Anthony Esselin, and he's oh. from Thomas Moore College. He just left Prov- Providence College, where. Diversity forces made his life miserable, and his offense was this. He claimed that the real way to get diversity was to read old great books because then you could not only go to different places and encounter different ideas in different languages, you could even go to different times. And so that's a bad thing to say.
0: Oh, That's a horrible sin. That's very culturally appropriative.
1: You know, I've I've said things like that myself, but let me hereby withdraw them all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On the record, it is noted. Uh, you know, yesterday we had in this wonderful uh, uh, Hoyle studio uh, at Kirby uh, the remarkable Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska, who has written a book, The Vanishing American Adult, which is about the glories of hard work and reading and lassitudinous elongation of adolescence, which is so disastrous for young people. And he said the same thing about reading, so I wonder if he's employable anymore.
1: Yeah, that guy, he's he's, he's finished now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get to work. Uh, The cover of Time magazine is perfect for us to launch from it shows a white house that is half a kremlin it shows a white house half painted red with the kremlin onion domes behind it and of course this is the perfect msm summation of the perfect msm meltdown but the appointment of robert muller has undercut them completely what do you make of the week that was
1: well it's uh disastrous uh in in every way it uh I mean, first of all, you know, you're, you're, what this is supposed to prove is that Donald Trump colluded with Vladimir Putin to win the presidency of the United States and defeat Hillary Clinton. So, first of all, that's what's at stake, right? And then Trump's recent evils, which we should talk about each one of them, is that he uh, uh, fired James Comey, having tried to wave him off an investigation of Michael Flynn who did apparently have some dealings with the Russians, although when I say apparently, one thing about this is it's really hard to know facts at this stage. And then And then he uh, he uh, revealed intelligence to Russian diplomats in the Oval Office just this week. So those are his sins. Best list I can make of them this morning. And you start with the first premise, right? Vladimir Putin was apparently afraid of Hillary Clinton. And so he preferred Donald Trump. Uh, And, you know, that's possible. The Obama administration had been very exercised about the Ukraine, and Trump had seemed less so. That's true. Uh, I'll insert my reading of that. Um, You you don't want, I mean, go study your Winston Churchill. Uh, Winston Churchill tried to save Poland from Soviet Russia, after, Poland, after Britain had gone into the war on the cause of Germany invading Poland. But the transcripts exist of his long conversations with the Poles, and he did not ever save them. And, but the transcripts say, whatever else happens here, over there where you are, you are going to have to be friendly with the bear. And the Ukraine is farther that way than Poland is. So then he said... You know, once the, uh, the man who succeeded uh, uh, Sikorsky, who was killed in a suspicious plane crash, the leader of the Free Poles, uh, and I can't say that man's name, it uh, begins with an M-Y. Anyway, he, he said to Churchill, but the United States and Britain have armies in the field in, in, in right now. Can't you do something? And Churchill replied, it is sheer lunacy to say, that's a quote. That we would go to war with the Soviet Union there. So the point is, maybe the policy should be what Trump says his is, which is try to get along with them, you know, and also build weapons because they are people who rule by force in Russia and in China and in North Korea and in Syria and in Iran, right? There's a long list and they're dangerous. And so we're building up the military. Anyway, the point is. these recent things, firing of Comey and trying to wave him off an investigation, and now a special counsel. And so we know what those are like, right? It's gonna go on for a long time, and there's gonna be leaks, and there's gonna be posturing of all kinds, and that means that this is gonna be in the news for the next years. And uh, that's too bad, because there's an exciting agenda being proposed in Washington now i will say by the way if if there's you know if if the soviet union if russia if trump made a deal with putin to hack into the democratic party's computers and and to sway the election that should be found out but there is a way under the constitution to investigate things like that and that, you know, and that's way is underway. There's a congressional investigation of all that right now, and they can subpoena. And uh, there's a reason why it's better located, in my opinion, there than the special counsel. But Hugh, you, you're a lawyer. It sounds like you approve of the special. Counsel. Uh, I I approve of
0: this special counsel. Now I know the regs. It's not an independent counsel under the independent counsel statute. I agreed with Scalia that was unconstitutional, but but that's been allowed to fade. A special prosecutor, a special counsel can be appointed and directed by the deputy attorney general, who's in this case the attorney general because Jeff Sessions is recused, and has to answer to the deputy attorney general and can be required by the deputy attorney general to uh, reply to inquiries about the course of it. But I am happy about this, and I, we'll talk about this after the break. I was very afraid of it if we ended up with a Lawrence Walsh, uh, a man who would wander for years down endless mm, hallways of mirrors, but Robert Mueller is a very serious fellow. And I believe that since I do not believe there is collusion, that it will wrap up rather quickly. In fact, I'll leave you with this thought during the break. Reuters today broke a big story about 18 contacts between Team Trump during the campaign and Russian officials. And they're buried in the story, quote, the people who described the context, Reuters said, they had seen no evidence of wrongdoing or collusion between the campaign and Russia in the communications reviewed so far. So if there's no there there, I'm happy to have Robert Mueller declare it. Stay tuned, America, it's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America, it's Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Larry Arne is joining me for a special edition of the Hillsdale Dialogue. He'll be back tomorrow when we return to the Declaration of uh, of Independence series, as is timely and appropriate. But Dr. Arn. uh, when we were going to break, I was telling you why I'm happy with the Robert Mueller appointment. Uh, not just because he's a combat decorated Bronze Star uh, recipient Marine from Vietnam, and not just because he went to Princeton and UVA Law School, or was an assistant prosecutor in Massachusetts, and then the U.S. Attorney in Northern California, and then the head of the criminal divisions in 12 years at the head of the FBI, and in fact, extended by a special act of Congress requested by George uh, W. Bush in order to keep him there. I mean, by uh, uh, Barack Obama in order to keep him there because of his complete grip of all things counterintelligence and terror related. He's a, a man of great integrity and I think he will get to the bottom quickly as opposed to, I was afraid of someone who would wander around in the wilderness. Today Reuters reports that there are 18 contacts between Team Trump in the campaign between April and November. And I asked people to think of how many phone calls and emails they sent between April and November of last year. You and I probably sent tens of thousands. The campaign probably sent millions. Uh, And the people who reviewed that said, quote, the people who described the context for Reuters said they had seen no evidence of wrongdoing or collusion between the campaign and Russia in the communications reviewed so far. And so I'm quite encouraged that it's Mueller, and I think the president is wrong to react as he did this morning with two tweets. He said, number one, 43 minutes ago, with all of the illegal acts that took place in the Clinton campaign and Obama administration, there was never a special counsel appointed Exclamation point. That's completely true. And then he went on to say, this is the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history. Exclamation point. I don't think he serves his cause that way. If I were him, I would applaud the appointment of Mueller and move on. What do you think?
1: Uh, Well, he's not going to get to move on. First of all, I don't come on the Hugh Hewitt show for therapy, but I feel better after what you just said.
0: Ah, Good. good.
1: And um um, I'm sending a bill. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not. Uh, yeah, send me a bill. Yeah, okay, lawyers giving therapy. Now, too. Good grief. Um, so it, it's you know I I hope what you say is true, and I don't have anything against uh, the the special counsel. It's the second one appointed in history, and the last one was John Danforth from Missouri, a good guy, right? And uh, these things have not, in general, led to satisfaction. Is my point, and they go on for a long time. And, you know, Lawrence Walsh, and who is that guy?
0: Patrick somebody? or Patrick Fitz- Fitzgerald, who, yeah. who went crazy on Scooter Libby. Yep. Yeah, that, you know, and Scooter Libby is good grief, I mean... Uh, good man, American uh, patriot. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, one of the most taciturn, non-controversial public servants ever born, you know, and he's supposed to said a bunch of bad stuff to journalists or whatever he
0: did. And, well, he he did not, in fact, leak Valerie Plame's name. The guy who did, Richard Armitage, walked away from the car crash, and they knew it all along, and no one stopped the craziness. But I don't think Mueller will put up with that kind of nonsense.
1: Well, that's so important. And, see, uh, it's worth saying, first, first of all, it's worth it's worth saying something about... This intelligence stuff, right? The, the President of the United States is the chief classifier of information. And I can show you uh, the, the most secret intelligence source in human history probably is the Enigma uh, machine yep. that, 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 that cha- helped to change the Second World War. Churchill kept the key to the box that that stuff was in on his person at all times, by his bed at night, right? And he didn't let anybody hear about that. But in July of 1941, he sent a, a memo to Joe Stalin, then in league with Hitler in, in, in the regime of communism, hated by Churchill, and said, we have intelligence that Hitler is getting ready to attack you. Right? Things like that are very common, and even that's a very famous episode. Stalin ignored that, got creamed for a while, but later remembered it with favor in a way that helped change history. So, the President of the United States can say, if, if it were true that a classification board of some kind in the intelligence community or anywhere else could, could limit what the President of the United States says to outsiders, they would be controlling the foreign policy of the United States. And that's wrong. Then, James Comey is a policeman, right? He's, a, he's the senior federal policeman. He's the distinguished policeman, but he's still a policeman. And if the elected executive of the country can't
0: fire a policeman, then you have a police state. I will be right back, America. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Larry Arne, president of Hillsdale College, returns all things Hillsdale, available at hillsdale.edu. All of the Hillsdale lot Dialogues available at Hugh for hillsdale.com. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt from the Kirby Center, Hillsdale College's fantastic facility in Washington, D.C., where many of the Hillsdale College students come and spend some time. Uh, hillsdale.edu for all things Hillsdale. Dr. Arne is my guest. We're talking tomorrow about the Declaration of of Independence in the regular Hillsdale Dialogue. Today we are talking, though, about the events of this most unruly week for President Trump. Uh, Dr. Arn, if I can read to you from Eli Lake's column this morning, three paragraphs. They're a little bit long, but they set the the context for the special counsel appointment. Uh, This may end up offering Michael Flynn, whom President Trump has defended publicly since firing him, a chance for redemption. So far, much is unclear, not only whether Flynn is innocent or guilty, but even what law he might have broken. In interviews this week and in congressional testimony last week, the former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates would not say what crime Flynn is alleged to have committed. This did not stop her, however, from describing in ominous tones the nature of his intercepted conversations last December with Russia's ambassador when he was the incoming national security advisor. She did say that she believed Flynn was compromised and vulnerable to blackmail because he had lied to Vice President Mike Pence about discussing sanctions on that call. On this point, Flynn and Trump should welcome a fresh set of eyes. This is because Yates's charge of potential blackmail appears on the surface to be risible, after all, Flynn was a former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency and must have known his calls were being recorded. What's more, we don't know yet whether Flynn was authorized by Trump to discuss sanctions on calls with the ambassador, Sergey Kislyak. Judging from Trump's campaign promises, this seems likely. Last week, Michael McFaul, who served as U.S. ambassador to Russia for Barack Obama and was an advisor to Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, told me he didn't think the blackmail scenario was plausible. Quote, I think it would be very hard for Russians to use the event of Flynn lying to Pence to blackmail him, he said. Imagine the conversation. Kislyak calls Flynn and says, if you don't lift sanctions, I'm going to tell the New York Times that you lied to the vice president. McFall added, that doesn't seem plausible to me. It makes me wonder if there are more plausible scenarios based on other evidence that those testifying know but didn't share. My point, doctor, and that's Eli Lake's column, I tweeted it out. Is that there's a whole lot of a whole lot of hyperventilating and boys crying wolf and Chicken Little's crying skies falling, and there is no there there. And so I think if the president will just dial it back and Mueller do his job, we're going to get past Russiagate, which isn't Watergate at all, but is in fact a giant media manufacturer.
1: I uh, you know you read a tweet from Trump earlier, but he says most persecuted right. Uh, I I still follow the Dodgers, God bless them. I like the Tigers too, and well, that's sad. I, and I go to the to the New York Times. I mean, sorry, the Los Angeles Times website and read about the Dodgers sometime. And yesterday, flashed up in a ad, six part opinion series, opinion, labeled opinion. True enough, our dishonest president. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it started ten days after the election, to delegitimize the election. And I remember back in the day when Nixon had information that votes had been stolen by the Kennedy campaign in in New Jersey. And you know, one of my political science profs who wrote about this thing said it was true that this had happened, maybe it did, but Nixon decided not to pursue it because he said the constitutional processes have to be respected. And you controversialize the election of a president, and it casts the whole system into, into delegitimacy. Well, I think that's what's going on here. And remember, Trump is the first president since Reagan to propose significant cuts in the administrative apparatus of the government of the United States. And there's a lot of people who don't like that. And I worry that some of that this is connected to that. And you know, I, I uh, the, the media is very selective in its quotes of people from Congress. I happen to know there are a lot of people in Congress who are saying what you just said, but they're not getting quoted. The ones who say, "Yeah, there's something to this," that they're the ones getting quoted.
0: Now I want to break – you said before, if you couldn't fire a policeman, you're in a police state. I want to raise the question of the Comey note-taking, and I want to do so carefully. Uh, We know in this country that J. Edgar Hoover spiraled out of control so that upon his death in 1972, (laughs) lots of people were relieved because he kept files, secret files, on people. And Nixon acknowledged this. It's heard on the tapes that you can't fire the SOB because he's got something on everyone, and he did it for decades. Turns out, James Comey uh, was a prolific note taker, which is not unusual among FBI agents, and they often make contemporaneous accounts of conversations they've had with uh, witnesses, etc. But apparently, Mr. Comey decided that he would, uh, unlike his practice with President Obama, keep copious detailed notes of every conversation with President Trump. That is, to, and and and. We don't know yet if he kept uh, conversation, notes of his conversations with Attorney General Lynch. If he did, they've been subpoenaed by House and Senate or with Hillary Clinton or any, any other person. Just President Trump apparently got this treatment. What do you make of that? Well, it's like the point before, right? I mean, you see, if
1: you, here's how we do it in America. It's like a broad constitutional point, and it matters a lot in this, con- in this context. You, you elect a person to fulfill the office of the unified or unitary executive. All executive power, right? Uh, the, no, the executive power shall be. And that means that the, the scheme is give it to one fella, and then you can hold him accountable. And so any time the bureaucracy is treated like something that can tell the president of the United States no, that's a transfer of authority from an elected official to a, not, a non-elected official. A friend of mine who's working in the government right now said to me, a friend of mine, a student of mine too, he said, you know, there's, you know, when everybody's appointed, there's going to be six or 7,000 of us, and there's 2 million of them right? And that's a lot. So I worry about that. And then the second, how do you hold the president to account? Well, in America, authority is divided. And so the Congress, you know, they're under pressure, right? And some of them are making critical, some Republicans are making critical comments of Trump, and they're having investigations. And there's an election coming soon, always, for the, for the, all of the House of Representatives and for a third of the Senate. So they and see how how does the impeachment process work because in the end if you want to prosecute a president there's only one way and if you if you like uh, poor ken starr a fine man set up to prosecute bill clinton and what we found out was you just can't do that from an office like that whereas the way you do do it is the house of representatives a bunch of elected officials bring charges that are tried before the senate a bunch of other elected officials it takes advantage of separation of powers it takes advantage of bicameralism and it is a legal slash political process if you set up a merely legal process to prosecute the president then of course whoever's in charge of that process gains control of the president like you said about j edgar hoover and we don't want that we want an elected president so we can throw him out next time if we want
0: to. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that Comey did Hoover, uh, went full Hoover. I just want to know the pattern and practice of note-keeping to establish the probity, uh, the probative value of any notes he took about Trump, because that will tell me a lot. It's a lawyering thing, and it's lost on a lot of our talking heads, uh, much is lost on a lot of our talking heads. And part of the problem with the environment in which we are operating is that hot take Spence said this yesterday you can't do oversight hot take to hot take uh, he had spent uh, most of monday or tuesday in a skip sensitive compartment and information facility on the senate side, trying to figure out what to ask for from comey because he has to do this very carefully he's a responsible individual but so many people say such irresponsible things on television it's a frenzy i've compared it to if someone watched all nine seasons of 24, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back to back, then they would be qualified to go on cable television, because then they'd be appropriately frenzied.
1: <laughs> That's right. And, you know, it's a ratings thing, but it's it's more than that, right? There's a, it, you know, R- Russ and, uh, uh who I know, and who's a good guy, right? A very smart yes. guy, a conservative guy. guy. He writes in the New York Times that they should use the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, which lets a majority of the cabinet vote that the president is unqualified and then some extra majority in the the Senate, I think, or maybe it's both houses, to, to throw the guy out, right? And that's based on what? That's based on he doesn't like Trump, and a lot of sources he has says that the White House is a zoo. Well, you know, I don't know whether it's a zoo or not. I've been there. It didn't look like a zoo to me, and I know some people who work there, and they don't report that. But never mind. The Twenty-Fifth Amendment wasn't designed for that, right? It's designed in case he becomes incompetent, right? Oh, incapacitated.
0: That's yes. right. Woodrow Wilson's stroke.
1: That's right. And you know, D- Dwight Eisenhower. There was a he had a heart problems, right? And the question was, is he really able to do the job? There's a way to figure that out now, and that's going to be turned now in a partisan situation. And see, what are we really fighting about here? Um, Aren't we fighting uh, one thing that's at stake here? And it's all over the press. The congressmen say it all the time. There's an ambitious legislative agenda. And that's like making sausage, right? Trump wants tax cuts. I do. Trump wants a a border wall. I do. Trump wants uh, a responsible immigration policy. I do. Trump wants tariffs, maybe. Uh, I probably don't go along with him on all of that, right? But there's a whole – and he, Trump wants to – look at his executive orders – you know, he's issued an executive order that if they pass a new regulation, they have to repeal too.
0: Yeah, I hold think it that's right the there. Right direction we want that agenda, and we'll come back and talk about that. By the way, breaking news: apparently, Roger Ailes has died. There's a statement from his widow at Drudge. I'll be back with an update on Roger Ailes and more when more Dr. Arm. When we return to the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt from the Boyle Studios in the Kirby Center at Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. Wrapping up today's special edition of the Hillsdale. Dialogue. I'll be back with Dr. Arn tomorrow at our regular slot. I met the Declaration of Independence. Dr. Arn, I want to pause here. Um, it has been confirmed that former Fox News chairman and CEO Roger Ailes has died. He is a son of Warren, Ohio. I met him exactly once for about 15 seconds at the RNC this past summer, uh, So, and I've never had a serious conversation with him. But he helped elect Richard Nixon in 1968 uh, by reintroducing Nixon to the public via laughing and other things. But more importantly, he founded Fox News, which basically changed American media profoundly and in lasting ways, departing under a cloud of scandal. What are your thoughts on the man, though?
1: Well, I I don't know the man. I uh, don't think I ever even met him. I, uh, but I know a lot of people who know him, and I, under, I, I know that he's a very skillful, even an inspiring man. I know he did really good service for Reagan. And it, with Fox News, he sensed something in the country. And, uh, you know, Fox News is still on the top of cable news. And uh, it, a lot of people were just tired of being lectured to by the big three, and he's the one who broke that up.
0: That's it. You know, if if you say in the brief history of the world, whenever history compresses down to what it is, there will be a moment in time when we recognize the monopoly of the big three was broken in part by Ted Turner and then by Roger Ailes. Those two brought the hammers to it and in so doing made it more competitive. But now here's the downside. Uh, news is no longer news. News is entertainment. And uh, there is this acceleration of in- entertainment, which leads to the part of the problems that bedevil the president to the point that he's proclaiming himself the most persecuted president in history today, which with I, I disagree with that assessment. I just don't think that's true. Uh, for one thing, you've know, only been in office for four months. Uh, stick around and have Nixon's career and be followed by the by the baying hounds since 1950 or whenever he discovered his. And you might get close. But but what about what's happened to, quote, news, Dr. Arn?
1: Well, it you know, first of all, it uh, you know, there's a it's a very divided country, and it's in my opinion divided all along the lines of of uh, highly educated people and not so highly educated people, and you know the change in America, the abandonment of its principles that we're going to talk about tomorrow when we talk about the doctor's Independence, that started in the academy. And people who work in the news, they've all, especially in the elite news, they've all been to the academy. And they—and so look at college campuses today and see what's going on, right? And they, they are a predictor of the future. So, you know, Fox News broke up a monopoly. But, you know, overwhelmingly, what, what's, what's it like on the Internet? Uh, so I think that's part of the decision that faces the american people they have to decide how they're going to govern themselves and toward what end and there's a fierce debate about that that's why i think all of this controversy in washington i think what that has to do with is that debate right what kind of government are we going to have are we going to make our laws in administrative agencies that are at the very best indirectly accountable to anyone and, or are we going to go back to making them in a Congress that's elected and it can change as public opinion changes? So that's what I think all this is about, and I think Roger Ailes w- waded into the middle of that. And, uh
0: And uh, although tomorrow we'll be back and we'll talk a little bit about it at the beginning of the hour, the president is prepping to leave on a trip that is to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the Vatican. I spoke with Paul Kengor earlier, author of a new book, A Pope and a President. Very good book, by the way, about uh, John Paul II and Ronald Reagan. Interesting choice of places to begin a trip beyond significant, I think, for this president at this moment. Dr. on your thoughts?
1: Well, those countries are friendly among the arab countries and you know he's trying to make allies and trying to strengthen the alliances and god bless him on his journey because there's and a he's lot of problems to, in that
0: world he's going to the home of the three great religions Right, he's going to, he can't go to Mecca because he's not a Muslim, and you're not allowed to go to Mecca if you're not a Muslim. He's going to Jerusalem, the home of the temple, and he's going to, to the Vatican. Uh, interesting and, I think, very thoughtful symbolism. Someone was thinking when they put this together.
1: You know, they do a lot of thinking, right? I mean, it, 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 all this uh, talk that it's all scattergun and stuff, I mean, if you match up what Trump ran for office on and what he's spending his time doing, they match up rather nicely. And uh, so I I do, I do think that uh, Trump has a has a plan and an idea, and I think it's heavily resisted, and only history will tell us how skillful he is at meeting that resistance.
0: Yeah, because right now it, it looks to me like he he steps on his own momentum so often that it it, it grieves me that he does not stay in the lanes that advance it but you just noted maybe i'm wrong about that like i was wrong about his chances for election
1: yeah i uh i uh on your show i did most of the talking that i did about the campaign on your show when you dragged me into trouble as part of your profession <laughs> so so i i i you know at first i you know i would confidently assert on your show he can't be elected like president nobody like him ever was But I began to learn
0: that you should watch more carefully before you talk. Before we predict. And we'll predict more on the next Hugh Hewitt Show, America. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow from the Hillsdale College Kirby Center. Everything available at HughHewitt.com, Hillsdale.edu, and on Twitter at Hugh Hewitt. Thank you.